Welcome to It Came From The Deep, a narrative podcast series based on the novel by best-selling author Maria Lewis. Chapter 12. When Kaya woke, it was to the sound of her dad and brother fighting. For either of them to get worked up enough to raise their voices was significant, and she stumbled into the kitchen in a daze. Now hang on, it wasn't like, you left, Dad, you left when she needed you. Hey, that's not what happened, Storm. How would you explain it then? You gave a quote and got her lawyered up and then fucked off overseas. You both know I have contractual obligations to the brand. I always have. Obligations that you've broken now that Kaya got beaten up. She didn't need a high-powered lawyer, Dad. She needed you. Just like she didn't need hours out in the surf with you. She needed a mum. Maybe if she'd had a female role model, she wouldn't be hanging out with... Hey! Kaya shouted, making both men jump like busted schoolboys. That is enough. She glanced at each of them, taking in the expressions on their faces and the reddened pallor of her dad's skin. What's going on? She asked the question calmly and quietly, hoping to bring a sense of rationale to the argument. Ask him. Her father huffed, gesturing at Storm. I came down to see if you kids wanted to go kneeboarding and then suddenly I was the bad guy getting yelled at. You're not the bad guy, Dad, Storm groaned. But before Kaya was attacked, did you even see how she was doing? Did you even care about what she was going through? Of course I cared. How dare you? I've spoken with BB on the phone every week and, you know, besides being a bit distant, he told me she was going well at training, participating and... That's not the same as being there. Storm, just stop, Kaya yelled. He turned his back to her in agitation and paced to the end of the kitchen. Casey was still looking surprised by the whole thing. Storm generally wasn't an angry guy, but when he felt strongly about something, he really felt strongly about something. He was mad. Kai got that. But he was angry with her and not with their dad. The things he was saying were hurting the wrong person. Dad, she said, laying a hand on his shoulder. He's mad at something that has nothing to do with you, okay? This is all my fault. That unintentionally got Storm's attention. No, don't you go blaming yourself for this too, Kaya. Not everything in the world is your fault. Oh, and what? I suppose the remainder of stuff is Dad's fault then? I'm out, exclaimed KC, tossing his hands up in the air in a gesture almost identical to one Storm had used earlier. Their father didn't like confrontation, which had been a problem in his marriage, and he grabbed his car keys off the bench. Great. Do what you always do when it gets tough, Dad. Leave. Storm, that's not fair and not true, Kaya screamed. A slamming door signalled Casey's exit and she whirled on her brother. What the hell? I understand you're mad at me for lying to you, but why take it out on him? You know he has always done the best he could for us, which is a thousand times better than most fathers. You can't tell me it didn't hurt when he left more often this year, especially after the accident. No, I can't tell you that. Of course it did, but I understood. It was hard for him to be blamed, to see me blamed, even inadvertently. Casey's never been on people's bad side before, so I understood. That's not good enough, Kaya. He should have stayed. 
I know, she pleaded, glancing down at her body and realising for the first time she was still in her pyjamas. But he didn't. There's no point going over and over it and rubbing it in his face when it can't be changed. He's here now. Storm let out a long, deep exhale as he placed both hands on the kitchen bench to steel himself. Kaya could see him mentally calming his mind as he took another series of breaths. Shit, he said. I lost it, didn't I? You've been doing that a lot lately, he nodded. I owe Dad an apology, that's for sure. Now I'm here and we're alone. Say what you need to say to me about this whole Amos thing. Storm poured himself a glass of water and drank it slowly as he looked out at the ocean in the distance. Placing the empty glass on the countertop, he turned his whole body to face her. How did you get involved with this fish? Aquatic humanoid, she corrected. You said his dad got murdered over him and now you're practically dating the guy. Whoa, whoa. I'm not dating Amos. That's not even possible given how he lives in a lake and all that. Slight oversight. You visited him every night for how long now? A month, a bit over, which is not the same as dating someone. I've seen the way he protects you. For Christ's sake, Kaya, he was shielding you from me last night. You were acting crazy. He's in love with you. He saved my life, Storm. I'm the only friend he's ever had besides his father, who was murdered seconds after leaving him in a lake without any answers or any hope. You take issue with Dad going away for a few weeks? At least he comes back. Amos's father was killed and he's never returning. He has no one. He's scared and alone. Where is your humanity? Storm had the sense to look vaguely ashamed of himself. They stood there in silence for several long moments as the full extent of Kaya's words washed over him. I never thought about it like that, he said quietly. I know. I also know it's hard having this thrust on you out of nowhere. It's epic? Yeah. So what are you going to do? What can I do? I like him, Storm. He's a nice person who's alone and needs help. The very least I can do is try and find the answers his father left him. There might be a way back to his people. You mean there's more out there like him? There has to be. Everything has parents. Amos has vague memories of swimming with others before he was caught in the net and the professor, his dad, was certainly hell-bent on the idea of there being others out there like him in the ocean. Other mermaids, he whispered, trailing off. I know, Kaya said with understanding. She knew exactly what he was feeling in that moment. It was a lot. It's like a fairy tale, but sad. She began telling Storm everything Amos had told her about his life, from when he was first accidentally caught to living inside a tank and a pool. She told him about how the only time he got to experience open water had been brief, limited stints in Lake Palutz when his father could manage it. Kaya even explained how his only human interaction came from his dad, Professor Victor Waldman, who wasn't even his own blood but had been the lone person he knew. From learning about the world through documentaries and studying life through classic movies, she didn't hold back. She offloaded all of Amos's story on her brother, 
trying to get him to understand. It felt glorious for Kaya to be able to share with someone this secret that had been pent up inside of her. By the end of it, the siblings were sitting side by side on the kitchen counter. I think I probably owe him an apology too, Storm said. On account of how you wanted to drown him? Nah, I wouldn't mention it. It's not as if you would have been successful anyway. Drowning an aquatic humanoid may be too much, even for your talents. Hey, he laughed. Far as we know, we're the only three people in the world who know mermaids exist. I doubt it. Why? Who else knows about him? Of all the people in the world and all the coastal communities out there, there's bound to be other humans who've interacted with them at some point. Maybe. Maybe they ended up like the Tyler brothers. They were both silent at that comment. Plus, he continued, we don't know how many mirth things there are out there. Maybe we are the only people. Doubtful. I did some research at the library with Cabby when she was still trying to placate me, and there are hundreds of stories over time. Most people just wrote them off, but now I'm beginning to believe all those people weren't crazy. Not every sighting could have been a hoax. Either way, Storm said, it doesn't really matter. We can't start a support group about it or anything. Sliding off the bench, Storm gave Kaya a quick hug. I'm proud of you. Proud of what you're doing and I'm proud of you being brave enough to help him. Uh, thanks, she said, her words jumbled through being squished against his shoulder. Whatever you need to get him home, let me know. Okay, and I'm coming with you when you go and visit him. Storm, no ifs or buts. This is dangerous and don't try and tell me it's not. Someone got killed because of this. Maybe. He was right, of course. Kai begrudgingly agreed. Now, Storm sighed. I need to go and find Dad. Yes, go do that, will ya? I'm going to call Cabby. He was almost at the front door when he paused, looking back at his sister. Kaya? Yeah? With everything you're doing for him and the time you're spending together, yes? Just remember, you're not the same species. Her brother ducked out of the front door immediately after those words, leaving Kaya in an empty house with the gravity of that statement. Huh. As if she could ever forget. You both really didn't have to come with me, Kaya whined. Cabby made a clicking sound with her tongue to show how much she disagreed with that statement. I told you, Storm said, you're not going to do this stuff alone anymore. I'm going to see Travis at SeaWorld. It's not exactly going to a lake by myself in the middle of the night. No, but he did call you at 8pm on a Thursday and I don't want you going solo. I'll even wait outside the office so I don't hear what you're talking about. She slumped back in her seat, crossing her arms in a huff. Looks like a grumpy toddler, doesn't she? Cabby remarked as she glanced up at Kaya in the rearview mirror. She does that when she's mad, Storm chuckled, turning around to flash her a smile where she sat in the back seat. Think of us as, like, the three musketeers now, Cabby said, pulling into the empty SeaWorld car park. There were four of them, Kaya grumbled. Fine, Cabby chirped. Amos can be our fourth. You coming in? Storm asked as she brought the car to a stop. Nope, I'll wait here. It's a bit weird since I'm not only dating his little sister, 
but I set him up on a fake date. Fair enough, he replied, holding the back door open for Kaya as she scrambled out. And this guy doesn't know that Amos exists. No, Kaya said. He's never met Amos, but he thinks he's the professor's long-lost nephew who I'm trying to help sort through some of his work. Kaya, Cabby remarked. That's a good lie. Thank you, she smiled. I'm trying to get better. See you soon. Scanning the now shut-down park at night, Kaya had to admit it was nice having Storm and Cabby with her on this. It's just she hadn't thought they would be so proactive when they both said they'd be looking out for her from now on. Storm had cooked Kaya and her dad a big apology dinner that evening, which Cabby was also invited to. So when she'd received a call from Travis midway through dessert saying that he had big news, she finally had people to share it with. She took the phone to her room when she saw who it was, telling Travis she could be there first thing in the morning when SeaWorld opened up. There was something in the tone of his voice that she put down to excitement. He said she should come straight away. It was that important. When Kaya returned to the dinner table, she waited until her dad had taken the dishes to the kitchen before leaning in and sharing the information with Storm and Cabby. In under a minute, the trio decided they would head to SeaWorld first see Travis, then stop by at Lake Palutz to check on Amos, all in the one round trip. You have your own pass, Storm said, as Kaya flashed it to enter through the staff entrance. It's a temporary pass, she replied, the scanner beeping as it read her ID and the door clicked open. It only lasts four weeks at a time, but you can have it extended. And this Travis guy hooked it up for you. Uh Uh-huh. So you've been here a bit, yeah? Storm was clearly impressed by her familiarity with the layout as she cut through the pool of now-empty public relations desks heading towards the maintenance door that led to the scientists' offices. A couple of times. Travis is cool with you guys being just friends. Yes, Storm, she said, rolling her eyes. More importantly, he was friends with Amos's father. Kind of, before he was murdered. I went to him because he was familiar with Professor Waldman's work and I thought it was safer than going to people at the university. Her brother's silence was concerning her and she threw him a look. He's a good guy, Storm. Okay, okay. I was just, what? Impressed. With you, with everything you've done. (sighs) Besides feeding Amos and some Googling, I haven't done anything yet. Still... There were a few doors from Travis's office when she stopped. The blue door on the left is where I'm headed. You're okay to wait here? You don't want me coming in with you? Honestly, no. Also, I don't know how Travis would feel about me bringing a stranger into his office late at night. Storm agreed, and she left him behind. He already looked bored as his lanky frame stretched along the white walls. It turned out Travis felt just fine about strangers in his office late at night, as there were two of them standing on either side of the door as Kaya entered the room. Both were tall, probably around her height, and muscular. The younger of the pair was bald, and his head shined in the well-lit office space. The older man's hair looked like oil, slick and black, and it was fashioned into a tight ponytail at the base of his neck. They were dressed in the uniforms of SeaWorld cleaning staff and both were aiming guns squarely at Kaya's chest. 
Travis looked as if he'd had his hands raised in the air for a while and sweat was forming at his temples. His glasses looked a few degrees away from fogging up. Shit, she whispered, coming to an immediate halt as the door closed behind her. Now, now, said the older man. No need to get carried away, Miss Craig. We just want to have a talk. His voice was so quiet, Kaya would have had to strain to hear him in normal circumstances. But these weren't normal circumstances. He gestured with the gun for her to move until she was standing next to Travis, who was still sitting frozen in his chair. She wondered how his legs would go in the event of standing up. Positioned between the chaos that was Sophie's desk and the doctor himself, Kaya tried to sneak a glance to see if there was anything she could use as a weapon. The closest she came was a small, circular fishbowl that held some kind of sea snake or eel. It looked precarious enough balancing on a stack of papers as the occupant swilled around inside the tank. Where's the creature? This time it was the bald thug who spoke up. He didn't smile, but he was trying very hard to project a sense of reasonableness. Kai found it hard to focus on his words as she kept glancing at the guns. She had never even seen one in real life before, let alone two, let alone being pointed at her. His voice was steady and calm as he repeated the question. I will say it again, Miss Craig. Where is the creature? She looked from the men to Travis and back again. He looked as genuinely befuddled as she hoped he did. What creature? Kai replied, attempting to sound earnest. The man with the ponytail showed a vague sign of irritation as he scratched his forehead with the tip of his weapon. Miss Craig, he whispered. There is no point playing dumb with us. You saw how well that ended for Professor Waldman. She gulped as Travis rose from his chair, hands shaking as he lowered them from above his head. You... you killed him, he said. You're the monsters who did that. They didn't even try to look offended. No need to get your panties in a knot, Doctor. All we want to know is where in the park you're keeping the creature. Kaya tried to keep her face neutral, tried to keep everything that she was projecting a blank slate. They thought Amos was here. It made sense, she supposed. Somehow they must have tracked down Travis and found out she was working with him. Naturally, they would think they were keeping Amos here. It was one of the best equipped marine facilities in the world. It was a strange sensation she felt. Relief, while still being held hostage at the end of a gun. I don't know what you're talking about, Kaya repeated. Neither of us do, Travis pleaded. I don't know what creature you mean. You won't even say. We certainly don't have any of Professor Waldman's specimens here, so you'd better just go before I call the police. Travis, Kaya cautioned, her eyes still glued to the men. They're not going anywhere. You think they would have told us they killed the professor if they were going to let us live? Horror flashed in his eyes as he realised what Kaya meant. At least the two men didn't deny it. Yes, we intend to kill you, said the calm one. But the question is, how long will that take? We can make it very slow. Like the professor, for instance, who received an extremely painful bullet to the kneecap before we ended his life. The muscles in Kaya's neck tightened 
as she watched the malice pouring from the bald man's face as he described the murder. She was genuinely scared. Alternatively, just tell us what we need to know, and it will be over quick, almost painless. Do you know what this is? His colleague asked, jerking his wrist to indicate the gun in his hand. The Walther PPQ, loaded with 9mm rounds. Some might say it's a poor man's Glock, but me, I like the impact it has when the bullet connects with flesh. Kaya thought about Storm, waiting in the hallway and just metres away from the door. She was supposed to have come alone, and as far as they knew, she had. Why do you need to kill us? She asked, raising her voice and trying to pass it off as panic. We don't know what you're talking about, or where this creature thing is, so just let us go. I never even knew Professor Waldman. I never met the guy in my life. It's funny then, started the ponytail man, that you have taken such an interest in his research. Why is that, Kaya Craig? He had her there. She fell silent. Dr Tishop at least has some excuse, given they were colleagues. But you, well... Travis here says you only knew him for a few weeks before you started taking an interest in the professor and his research papers. Now, that's only because she knows his nephew, Travis spoke up, leaping to her defence. There's nothing strange about that. They were discussing research papers he'd inherited and she brought them to me to better understand them. Kaya closed her eyes and silently cursed him. He saw her do so and looked over uncertain as to why the two men were smiling at each other. Professor Victor Waldman never had a nephew, said the bald man. Never even had a sibling. He was a bachelor through and through, which begs the question, where did you get the research papers? We wouldn't mind having a look at those too. Where are they, Miss Craig? You know, Kaya said slowly, I seem to have misplaced them. If... She never got to finish what she was saying because at that very moment, the entrance to the office burst open as her brother flew in, having thrown his whole body weight behind the door from outside. The door pinned and squished the man with the ponytail behind it. As he fought to get his way free, Storm threw himself back against the wood again and again until the man's grunts eventually stopped. His bald colleague was ready to jump to his aid, but seizing the distraction... Kai picked up the fishbowl from the desk and hurled it at him. He spun around at the last minute, copying the full impact as the bowl shattered on his face. She watched, frozen in shock, as the occupant of the bowl sprang to life and began biting the man. He screamed, his finger reflexively pulling the gun's trigger and letting off a shot. Storm, Kaya and Travis dove to the floor, cowering as a bullet ricocheted around the room. When the noise eventually stopped, the three of them straightened up cautiously. Kai's hands flew to her mouth as she watched the bald man feebly trying to fight off the tiny snake, continually striking blows to his own face. The bites on his cheeks and neck were already swelling as he tried to pull the creature off, his movements growing slower. Eventually, the snake retreated of its own accord. The trio watched it cautiously as it slithered into the darkness under Travis's desk. What was in that fishbowl? Kaya strangled out. Belcher's sea snake, Travis replied. 
I was transferring it back to its tank after analysis when they arrived. Man, Storm whispered. They're usually very docile unless... Provoked, she offered. He nodded. Kai guessed having your home thrown at someone while you were still inside it was provocation enough. She felt a hand reach around her own as Storm pulled her into a sideways hug. She hugged him back, eyes still fixed, as she looked at the twitching body of the man on the ground. Is he... He's not going to make it, Travis said, cutting her off. Not every bite is full of venom, but the way his body is reacting. As if on cue, the man let out a deep groan. His eyes had now swollen shut entirely. Storm separated himself from Kaya, carefully pulling back the door to inspect the condition of their other attacker. How is he? Travis asked, stepping carefully over the bitten man. And who are you, by the way? My bad, Kaya apologised. Travis, this is my brother Storm. Storm, Travis, etc. Hey, Storm nodded. And this guy's fine. Small cut on his head, but I think I only knocked him out. We need to get out of here now, Kaya said, glancing around at the carnage of Travis's office. In case there are others coming. Storm nodded, pushing the door back to cover the guy with the ponytail. Who were they? Kaya looked at Travis, hoping he would have the answer. He shook his head. I have no idea. They burst in here just after 7pm and held me at gunpoint the entire time. They searched the office for the research you brought, but I told them you would never leave it behind. That's why they got me to call you, figuring you would bring it. I did, but it's in the car, thankfully. A cough from behind the door interrupted the conversation. Let's make a move, ordered Storm. We should tie him up. With what? Kaya snapped. Another errant sea snake? We don't have the time. Let's just get out of here. I'm with you, sis. Travis, grab any of your research you think they might be after. Don't leave it here. We can call the police from the road. He snatched his laptop and slipped a folder out from an almost invisible space wedged between two tanks. Kaya raised an eyebrow at him, impressed with the hiding place. He leapt over the body of the sea snake victim and the three of them set off down the hallway at a run. What was the research they were after? Storm called. The material they wanted was to do with whale migration, Travis replied. Kaya glanced at him before turning to her brother. That's the same thing covered in the papers I have as well. All of it is from Professor Waldman. The fish's dad. Don't call him that. They slowed to a walk as soon as they were out of the building and in the SeaWorld car park. Hold on, Travis said, grabbing Kaya tightly by the arm. What's this business about the professor not having a nephew? I thought that's where you said you got his unpublished research from. I did, it's only... And what was this creature they kept talking about? They were convinced I had it at the park, some final specimen that Victor kept hidden. Uh... You know where it is, don't you? It's not so much an it as it is a he. A male specimen, in a manner of speaking. Sis, you need to tell him, interrupted Storm. I will, but right now we need to get back to Amos before they find him. The nephew. 
Storm let out a growl of frustration as he grabbed Travis by both of his shoulders. His name is Amos, he's a merman, and this professor guy was keeping him as his pet until he got killed by those nutters. My sister has been hanging out with him and is the only one who knows he's alive and where he is, besides me and Cabby. Kai slapped her hands to her face, unable to look at the mix of emotions playing out as Travis processed the blur of previous sentences. At first, there was a tiny smirk, followed by disbelief, and then shock. Heavy doses of shock. Finally, after a long pause, he said, I guess that makes sense. I... it does? Yes, he said, regaining his composure. All of this research was setting out to achieve something. It was relating to a specific case, but without knowing what that was, or who that was, we could never really understand it. Now it makes much more sense. The honk of a car horn made all three of them jump, followed by the screech of tyres as Cabby pulled up alongside them. Sliding down the window, she hung half her body out the door. What the hell are you guys doing? And what's Travis doing here? She threw up her head in acknowledgement of his presence, and he returned the gesture with a small wave. He's coming with us, Kaya said, making a snap decision as they all piled into Cabby's now very cramped jeep. Storm will fill you in as we drive. Accelerating towards Lake Palutz, Travis called the police from his mobile and told them about a break-in at his office. Storm had just finished recounting the story of the two armed men when the doctor hung up. You need to turn that off, Storm said, swivelling in his seat to face Kaya and Travis. What? My phone? Yeah, in case they try to track us. Who? Cabby snorted. The police? The police? The government? Whoever those two pricks work for. Insert faceless organisation here, Kaya muttered, nervously glancing out the window. She cast a look behind them to make sure they weren't being followed. And keep the speed down, Cabby her brother continued. The last thing we need is to be pulled over. What else do you want from me? She snapped at him. Safe bloody passage, he replied. Are we going to the creature? Travis asked with unbridled enthusiasm. Okay, Kaya started. First of all, he's not a creature. His name is Amos and he's nearly 20 years old. He's also kind of shy around strangers, so don't frighten him. Travis opened his mouth to talk, but she cut him off as she launched into a rushed explanation of how Professor Waldman came across Amos and where he had been living. The conservation breakthroughs, the sudden change in direction to species extinction, it all connects with the timeline, he said breathlessly. Yeah, that's great, she said, but I'm hoping you can make sense of this. She handed him the USB as Cabby mounted the narrow road that led to the deserted car park of Lake Plutz. She switched her lights off so as to keep a low profile, slowing to almost a crawl. What's on it? Travis asked, fiddling with the device as he inserted it into his laptop. I don't know, Kaya admitted. I'm no scientist or doctor. I only had time to glance at it once, briefly. It looked like there were years of documents on there. It was hidden in a box with the research papers I showed you in a clear plastic, so it must be important. Now that you know everything, I'm hoping you can decipher it. Travis's eyes darted from hers to his laptop screen, and she saw the digital documents illuminated in his glasses as they appeared in front of him. His mouth opened with a small pop, 
and she sensed he was going to be there a while. The car came to a sudden stop. Kaya jerked forward and lightly whacked her head against the seat in front of her. A collection of debris slid off the seats and to the floor, along with the research papers. Sorry, Cabby said. Nearly drove into the car park barrier without my lights. Everyone okay? I'm fine, Kaya replied, scrambling to pick up everything that had been thrown around. She cursed as she noticed that a water bottle had split with the impact and its contents were flooding over her feet. The documents had spilled out of their folder and were being covered in the fluid. Damn it, this... She paused, fascinated by what was happening in front of her. As the water made contact with the clear film of one of the pages, there seemed to be a chemical reaction. The page wasn't clear anymore. It was glowing. Shapes began to form and she laughed as they slowly began to resemble arrows. Look at this, she said, holding up the one clear page that had been among them. It wasn't blank after all. What the? Storm asked, glancing out the corner of his eye. It looked like it took everything Travis had to pull himself away from the laptop, but he raised his eyebrows at the documents in astonishment. He hid it. Hid what? Arrows, he murmured, barely audible, as his fingers traced the raised lines like she had that night in the lake. But to where? I'm not sure yet. He frowned as the shapes began to fade with the drying of the page. I need to look closer at this, he said, glancing back at the screen. Are you okay to stay with him? Kaya asked Storm. Sure, where are you going? I want to see Amos and keep him updated on what's going on. What is going on? I don't know, but I have a feeling we're going to have to get him out of here soon. How? And take him where? She bit her lip, frowning. I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping whatever Travis is gawking at now will give us some answers. I'll come with you, Cabby offered, hopping out of the car. She tossed Storm the keys, telling him to lock the doors behind them just in case. As the two women walked down the grassy slope that led to the lake, Kaya pulled her singlet top over her head, revealing her full-piece swimsuit underneath. Kicking off her shoes and wiggling out of her jeans at the water's edge, she was suddenly aching to see Amos. She needed to see him. She needed to check that he was still there and still okay. You coming in? she asked, turning to Cabby. Eh, she replied, her friend's face twitching with reluctance. That's more your thing. I'd rather stay on the land and keep dry. I won't be long, Kaya said, before diving into the water. Shutting her eyes, she let the cool liquid take her breath away and rush all over her body until she could feel that she wasn't alone anymore. She looked up to see the shining silver of Amos's tail and shot to the surface, searching for his face. When he burst up next to Kaya, she nearly dunked him back under the water with how quickly she dived on him. Wrapping her arms around his neck, she pulled herself close to him in an embrace. She savoured his shock and the immediate physical contact. Slowly, a hand found its way to the back of her head, where he smoothed the damp hair there. Hello, he said. Are you okay? What happened? Everything. Her voice was muffled as her face pressed into the skin against Amos's neck. Kaya was reluctant to move from this position, comfortable in his closeness and the protectiveness of the gesture. Eventually, she had to, though. 
As she pulled herself back to face him, her nose just inches from the tip of his, she realised that Storm was more on the money than she had given him credit for. She did have feelings for Amos. What happened? He asked, forehead crinkling in concern. The men who killed your father, they found us. His hands tightened at the mention of Professor Waldman's murderers and his gaze swept over her. But you, he started, brushing a hand down her face. You seem okay. They didn't hurt you. She let out a soft, unamused laugh. They were going to kill Travis and me, but Storm knocked one of them unconscious and I threw a sea snake at the other. Amos smiled at her, half in disbelief. You did? She nodded. I think he's dead. That's great, he beamed. You killed one of my father's killers and made it back to me safely. Her mouth had been curling up into a smile, but she felt it drop with the realisation. Amos watched the movement carefully. What? What is it, Kaya? I... You... The harder she tried to get the words out, the more impossible it became. Her lips moved as she attempted to form the sentence, albeit rather fruitlessly. She looked at Amos, examining every detail of his face. He had clearly shaved that same day, as his jawline was smooth, like a boy's, and his head gave the appearance of almost baldness. He extended a hand to her face, wiping a finger under the hollow of her eye and catching the tear there. Light reflected from a droplet of liquid, and Kai tried to ignore the salt that stung at the corners of her eyes. He was staring at his finger in fascination, as if he had never seen anyone cry before in his life. Maybe he hadn't. A breath of air escaped his lips as he realised what it meant. Amos's head jerked upright and his blue, piercing gaze met her own. We have to get you home, Kaya whispered. Tonight? His voice was barely audible. She heard the pain there. As soon as possible. The longer you stay, the more dangerous it is for you. But his hand traced her jaw until it came to her lips, where Amos slowly traced the shape of them. Unbelievable. Travis's voice broke through the night air like a stone smashing into a glass window. Kai's head snapped in the direction of his words and to where he was standing in awe at the edge of the lake park. Cabby had graciously turned her back, giving them some semblance of privacy. Kai didn't disentangle herself from Amos, but when she returned, her gaze to his, he was still looking at her, having never even glanced in the direction of the voice. Amos, she started. This is Dr. Travis Tishop. It was only when she gestured at the man watching them that Amos finally turned his head. Hello. By instinct, she slid onto Amos's back and linked her arms around his neck as he swam them towards the shore. He talks. Travis was down on all fours now and seemed just about ready to dive into the water if it wasn't for the laptop he seemed reluctant to abandon. Of course he talks, said Storm, still walking down the hill from behind the doctor. Flipping off his songs, he flopped down onto the grass and dipped his feet into the lake water. Kai swallowed any comment that this time last night, Storm hadn't been acting so blasé when Amos talked to him. Yes, I can talk, replied Amos. I can rationalise and analyse and hypothesise. I can read and write if I have to. 
I can add and subtract and divide. I can think and I can feel. Amos looked at Kaya when he said that last word, and she felt herself blushing under the gaze of her brother. Amos, is it? Yes. Amos, you are a miracle. A miracle that we need to keep away from the wrong people, Cabby said, bending down to sit next to Storm. Yes, we... Uh, Travis seemed unwilling to remove his gaze from Amos, but with great effort he did so as he returned to the computer screen. We seem to have had a breakthrough in that regard. What is it? asked Amos. Kyra removed herself from his back so Amos could swim as far forward as the shallows would allow, eager to see what Travis was trying to show him on the screen. The USB your father left you has everything, It has every piece of data Victor recorded on you, from when you were a boy right up until now. It has the results of tests he conducted and the extent of your various abilities, speed, strength and problem solving, that kind of thing. Scientifically speaking, it's information to kill for. It's the discovery and exclusive study of an entirely new species. Damn, exclaimed Storm. Well, not new, Travis said, correcting himself. I don't have time to go through everything, but Victor theorises that your kind, aquatic humanoids, are as old as humans, perhaps older. Travis was hunched over, and he leaned back suddenly, resting his hand on his chin. Who knows? Maybe we evolved from you. Could you imagine? Go on, Cabby said, glancing at Kaya as she tried to get him back on track. All of this was interesting, sure, but what they needed was information on how to save Amos. Hmm. Oh, yes, sorry. It's just something like this. It happens once in a generation, a breakthrough of this magnitude. Under the surface of the water, Amos linked his hand with Kaya's. He gave her a comforting smile, and she willed herself to be patient. When viewed in its entirety, Victor's recent interest in humpback whales makes a lot more sense. All of this information together, here like this, it logically connects the pieces Kaya and I had but couldn't quite make sense of. He didn't think you were the only one of your kind. He theorised there are hundreds out there like you. Hundreds? asked Amos, wonder in his voice. Possibly thousands. What does that have to do with the humpbacks? asked Storm. Humpback whales know the route of their annual migration and follow that exact same path along the east coast of Australia for decades, never changing, much in the same way geese do. There has been some debate as to whether that's a natural-born instinct or something that is taught by the rest of the herd. Victor basically proved the theory, through his research and three case studies, that it's nature, not nurture, that sets the whales on their path. English, please, pressed Cabby. He theorised that when released into the wild, you would instinctively know where to go and how to get back home. Kai let out a shaky breath as she turned to Amos, who remained completely still. Just like the humpbacks, in the same way they know where to go for migration, you would know how to get back home. That's what Victor believed, said Travis, and quite adamantly, might I add. Could you call out to them like a whale? You know, like... Storm's attempt to make a whale sound made Cabby wince and Kaya splashed him quickly to shut him up. Stop it, will you? she hissed, 
That's ridiculous. Not entirely, Travis pushed past Stormstroke. You can make a cry underwater that would be inaudible to most creatures, except your own kind. Much like sonar. Although there isn't much detail on how specifically that works, or what. See? Storm said, excitedly punching Cabby in the shoulder and nearly knocking her into the lake. Also, said Travis, kicking off his shoes and jumping into the water until it was up to his ankles. Do you mind if I have a look at your tail? Sure. Amos only appeared uncertain for a second, and Kaya reminded herself that he was used to a lifetime of poking and prodding. She felt sad at that thought. Travis ran his hands down the length of Amos's tail with fascination as he waded deeper and deeper until he was at the end flippers. Could you lift it up a touch? Amos raised the end of his tail out of the water and into the air so the dolphin-esque quality was exposed. Kaya turned to see a grimace frozen on her brother's face and she quietly nudged him. He didn't change his expression. Travis was almost pressing his glasses to the flesh of the tail as he examined something there. Kaya, come here. She splashed over to him and looked at where he was running his hands. On the smooth surface, where the scales faded to hard skin, there were distinctive patterns curling in and around themselves. Just like the outline of silver scales on his human skin, these were almost invisible until you ran your hands over them. They were beautiful, swirling and curving and twisting like some kind of elaborate Celtic design. It's incredible, she said, looking up at Travis's adoring expression and turning to Amos. Your tail is covered in patterns. I know, he said, shrugging. So? This is how you will find your family, said Travis. Those who are directly related to you will have similar markings. It's the same with humpbacks. They identify each other by the designs on their tails. Each are unique, like a fingerprint, but through them you're able to recognise parents and siblings. I... I'll be able to find my family. Kyle laughed, suddenly forgetting the pain of Amos's imminent departure. Everything he had ever dreamed, everything he had ever hoped for, was going to come true. She laughed again and grinned at him, the smile reaching down deep into her very soul. He beamed back at her. With a splash of water and a yelp from Travis, Amos sprung from his position and grabbed Kaya in his arms. He thrashed under the surface and they shot through the water at remarkable speed. As soon as he dipped and arched upwards, she knew what was happening. They shot out of the water and into the air in a glorious fountain of spray and cheerful whoops from Amos. They'd barely crashed back down before they were up again. Kaya joined in his triumphant cries and enjoyed the exhilarating sensation of being airborne. She had a choice, and in that moment, she was choosing to stay happy. This chapter of It Came From The Deep was read by Sophie Parr and produced by Adam Boys at Thaumaturgy Post-Production Services. It Came From The Deep is the third novel from Maria Lewis and available physically from all good bookstores and library as well as online. It's also part of her Aurealis award-winning Supernatural Sister series which includes Who's Afraid, Who's Afraid 2, Who's Still Afraid, The Witch Who Caught a Death, The Wailing Woman, The Rose Daughter and more. This is the narrative podcast series with new chapters releasing every week and bonus episodes dropping in between with author Maria Lewis and myself, Blake Howard, breaking down the plot, inspirations and writing process. 
It Came From The Deep is part of One Heat Minute Productions.